Turn your Bibles, if you have them today, to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 16 will be our text this morning. I begin with the question, does God still heal? And the answer is yes, he does. My second question is, does God still heal after the pattern of the book of Acts? And my answer is no, he doesn't. And so our passage needs to be read so that we can expound it in the time we have. So Acts 5, beginning at verse 12 and reading through verse 16, hear the word of God. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out to the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter's passing might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. For us to, for those of us, and I think it's all of us, who have at times prayed for personal healing for our own infirmities, and for those of us who pray for others who we love, for them to be healed from their infirmities, we have to closely consider Acts 5, 12 to 16 together. There are some historical reports in the verses I have just read. One is the shadow of Peter. It said in the verse that the shadow of Peter was able to heal the sick. The second historical report is that they were all healed. Everyone who was brought to the apostles, they all were healed without exception. And so I have three questions as one myself who definitely prays for healings for myself and who regularly prays for the healings of other persons, I have three questions. Maybe you can relate to my questions. The first question, do we see the shadow of today's faith healers healing the sick? The second question I raise, is everyone healed who is brought for or brought to a charismatic healing service? Is everyone healed? My third question, if certain Christians today can heal like the apostles did in the book of Acts, why then don't they go to hospitals and empty them out? Now, some signs and wonders God heals through faith healers, though some Christians in that category or camp would probably answer my question by saying that The unhealed persons, the unhealed sick persons did not have enough faith. That's an assumption which needs to stand up to something. And what that assumption, that a lack of faith blocks healing, what that assumption needs to stand up to is the case in point of the Apostle Paul's chronic illness. We read of that in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. And so you probably remember that Paul in Scripture is said to have had a thorn in the flesh. 
Maybe poor eyesight after he was temporarily blinded on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. Maybe some other infirmity. Scripture doesn't spell out exactly what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. But we do know this. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10, that this is the report of Scripture. Paul writing of himself, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we know that Paul was an apostle. He was an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. Remember, he met the risen Christ on that road going to persecute Christians. So Paul was an apostle. And we read the New Testament account, and he did miracles, signed miracles. Paul did. But he couldn't pray and heal his own infirmities. He had faith to be healed, surely, Why else would he have prayed for his healing three times? So it wasn't a lack of faith that Paul was not healed. So why wasn't the Apostle Paul healed of his thorn in the flesh? Well, the answer to that question can be a practical encouragement to any of us who are sitting here or viewing online who have not been healed, although we and others have prayed for it. Here's the encouragement. Verses 9 and 10 tell us why Paul couldn't pray and heal himself and why God didn't choose to heal the great apostle Paul. And here's the answer from the text, verses 9 and 10 of 2 Corinthians 12. Christ's grace and strength and power were God's best for Paul. Christ's grace and strength and power were God's very best for Paul. And physical healing would have been inferior to Christ's grace and strength and power for Paul. (laughs) Have we learned this? Well, I'm here to tell you, to learn this is not a kindergarten lesson of spirituality. To learn this is a PhD level of lesson in our spirituality. That Christ's grace and strength and power are God's best sometimes for us because physical healing would be in some cases inferior to Christ's grace and strength and power. Put another way, it's better to have Christ's grace and strength and power with sickness than to have wellness without Christ's grace, strength, and power. Do you believe that? I believe that that it's better to have Christ's grace and strength and power with sickness than to have wellness without Christ's grace and strength and power. And like I said, this lesson is PhD. It's not kindergarten. So what was happening in Acts 5, 12 to 16? Well, God was miraculously validating and growing his brand new baby church as His God's apostles openly performed healing miracles, 100%. Everybody presented to them was healed. 
because God at that time was miraculously validating and growing his baby church through his apostles' miracle workings. And so signs back then, signs and wonders were being done and the world was being won. That's what was going on in the book of Acts, particularly in Acts chapter 5, 12 to 16. So here's the question. Should we expect to have apostles amongst us today? Now, we know that certain clergy take on that title. But in the technical sense of the word apostle, a sent one, should we expect to have technical biblical apostles in our midst, in our city, in our country, in our world today? And follow-up question, should we figure that signs and wonder miracles are the norm for now? Well, my understanding of Scripture is that we don't have any technical biblical apostles today. Why? Two reasons. Two first, two, first and a second scriptural qualification of an apostle is right in Acts chapter 1. And the first scriptural qualification for an apostle is that he had to be a participant in the Lord Jesus' earthly ministry. To be an apostle in the first century, you had to be a participant in the Lord Jesus' earthly ministry. I see that in 1 verse 21. Therefore, of these men, watch it, who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us. That was the criterion for being an apostle. When they had to replace Judas Iscariot, who suicided, they were sorting out who to name as an apostle and The first qualification that the Bible gives for an apostle is that the person has to be a participant in the Lord Jesus' earthly ministry. Nobody is a participant back in the historical earthly ministry of Jesus Christ today. It's 20 centuries removed. The second scriptural qualification for an apostle is that they had to be a personal eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. They had to live on earth at the same time that Christ was resurrected and with their own eyes have seen Jesus Christ alive from the dead after being crucified. That's the second qualification, and it's in Acts 1.22. Beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So do we have a Bible, technical, sensed apostle alive anywhere on earth today? I would say no. Should we expect sign, wonder, miracles today? No, because I believe they were reserved for the apostles when the church was needing validation and the church was growing with the message that Christ has died for sins and arisen. So what does this mean? It means that while God still heals today, did you hear me? God still heals today. While God still heals today, he does so without apostles. And he does so without the apostles' first century apostolic sign wonder miracles. So this means that God still heals today. We believe that as a church. I believe that as your pastor. God still heals today, but not after the pattern of the book of Acts. That is a unique pattern. God still heals today, but not after the pattern of signs and wonders miracles done by the apostles that are recorded in the book of Acts. Now, there is a passage that helps us 
understand what's going on here. I think it's Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And I think that this passage can help us to understand why not everyone who is brought to a faith healer today gets healed. You ever wondered that? Why do some possibly get healed and others don't? Why isn't 100% like it was in the book of Acts? Hebrews 2, 1 to 4, I believe, can help us. If you could take this as an object lesson, in some ways, Hebrews 2, 1 to 4 is like a book. Hebrews 2, 1 to 4 is like a book, a book about salvation. And I'm going to read the verses. Listen carefully. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through the angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first, the first, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us, that is Paul speaking as that small group of apostles, Paul was an apostle, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Also, bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So let's unpack these verses. They're woven together rather tightly, but we can understand them with the Holy Spirit's help. So what I'm saying is that these verses, Hebrews 2, 1 to 4, is like a book. And the book is about salvation. And like most books, this particular book, Hebrews 2, 1 to 4, has an introduction. It has an introduction. And it's the first part of verse 3. Here's the introduction. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be bespoken by the Lord? Christ speaking when on earth about salvation from sin is cited as being, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, watch, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord? And so the introduction of this illustration of this book on salvation is Christ and Christ's teachings. That's the introduction to the book. Now, what's chapter one of this book about salvation? Chapter one in the salvation book is confirmation. Chapter one is about confirmation, specifically that the salvation message of Christ was confirmed by who? Those who retold what Jesus taught by those who heard Christ themselves because they were on earth when he was, and they confirmed the story of salvation of being through Christ. That's chapter one of this book about salvation. Chapter two. What's chapter two about this book about salvation? Chapter two in the salvation book is a record of miracles, signs, and wonders which were done by the apostles. The first part of verse 4 of Hebrews 2, listen. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So what? Let, let's make sure I'm clear. I want to be clear. I'm comparing Hebrews 2, verses 1 to 4, to a book, a salvation, about salvation book, which has an introduction which is Christ himself and his teachings, the first part of verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first, excuse me, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? And so the introduction to this book is Christ himself and his teachings. 
And that lines up with 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11. Listen, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, the introduction to the book, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So this book about salvation that Hebrews 2, 1 to 4 is talking about has an introduction, and the introduction is Jesus Christ himself and his teachings when on earth. It has a chapter 2, though. This book has a chapter 2, and the chapter 2 records miracles which were done by eyewitnesses of Christ resurrected. Those eyewitnesses to Christ being resurrected we call apostles. And just to get the context of when they had to choose uh, another apostle in Acts chapter 1, 21 to 26. Let's get the full flow of that context, okay? Acts 1, uh, 21 to 26. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to, to that day when he was taken up from us, that's the ascension, one of these must become a witness with us a witness with us of what? A witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed to Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And so chapter 2 of this illustration book about salvation is about miracles being recorded, which were done by the eyewitnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection in the first century. And these chapter 2 miracles done by the apostles in the first century very, very effectively validated the baby church and her message, a message that centered not on the law of the Old Testament, but a message which centered on the grace of God in Christ. And how do we know that these miracles done by the apostles, these signs and wonders, miracles which were done by the apostles in the first century, how do we know that they very effectively validated the baby church and her message that was centered on Christ? Because of our passage. Our passage tells us so. In 5 verse 12, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. That's the overarching statement for what's the rest of our passage. The next thing we read is that it caused unity among those who are believing in Christ. These signs and wonders, miracles, still in verse 12. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So, There were many signs and wonders, and the first effect of that was there was greater unity among the brethren. But go on to verse 13. Let's read verse 13. Yet none of the rest dared to join them, but the people 
esteemed them highly. This is saying that there was greater respect for the baby church by those outside of the baby church because they saw the apostles doing these signs and wonders, miracles. But there's more. Verse 14, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So because these sign wonder miracles were done to validate the baby church, there was a constant and a large amount of church numerical growth by conversions. That's what I pray for our church, that we'd have constant numerical growth by conversions. We will if we share our faith. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who will believe. But there's more. Verse 15 all because signs and wonder miracles were done by the apostles, so that they brought the sick out to the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And so because there were signs and wonders, miracles, it validated the church, and we know it, because there was increased confidence at that time that the sick would be healed. But there's more. 16a, also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem. Because there were signs and wonders, miracles done by the apostles in the first century, the church, baby church's influence spread to the surrounding regions around Jerusalem. But there's more. Second part of verse 16, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. That's a statement. And they were all healed. Because there were signs and wonders, miracles done by God's apostles to validate the baby church's message centered in Jesus Christ, the church became known for 100% no-miss healing. So these, these validations clearly really worked. And still with the illustration that salvation story is like a book which has an introduction and several chapters, let me state the obvious. None of us have lived in the book's introduction. We have not lived on earth at the time that Jesus Christ was healing and teaching. None of us have ever lived in the book's introduction. For that matter, none of us have ever lived in the book's chapters one or two. First century. We live on page 2022 of the book. That's where we live. Many chapters into this salvation book story, we live on page 2022. 20 centuries later in the story, that's when, where we live. And by this point here on page 2022 of the gospel message, that salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, is very well proven over 20 centuries of church history. There's plenty, plenty of evidence now that Christ is who he claimed to be. God's son, the Messiah, the fulfillment of the Old Testament law, the world's only savior, the Lord of all. <laughs> There's plenty of evidence living on page 2022 that we do. And on page 2022 today, validation is no longer needed like it was in the first century in chapters 1 and 2. The apostles are long gone. Signs and wonders, I would argue, from Scripture have ceased. 
all by God's design. Our church believes that by God's divine, as revealed in his word, that sign gifts have ceased because God deems them no longer necessary. And this is precisely what we see in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 being predicted in the love passage. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will, be, it will vanish away, pardon me. So we believe the apostles have passed off the scene a long time ago, 20 centuries ago. And the signs and wonders, miracles, which they could do to validate the baby church, are no longer things that we ought to expect. God still heals. God still does miracles. But nobody has to position themselves or the sick person they're praying for in my shadow for them to get healed. So what are the sign gifts that we believe have ceased? Here's a, not an exhaustive list, but partial list. Tongues, the Greek word is glossolalia. Glossolalia was a very specific word in the Greek, New Tex, uh, the, uh, Greek dictionary for known languages being miraculously spoken by persons who never spoke them before. Glossolalia, tongues, is never gibberish or unintelligible speech. Glossolalia in the first century in Acts chapter 2 and other places was somebody being given divine gift to speak fluent, let me use an example, fluent Italian on the spot. And an Italian speaker in this congregation could hear and understand the gospel, although I never spoke Italian before in my life. That's glossolalia. Check it out when it talks about in Acts chapter 2, all the countrymen that heard speaking in their own tongues, not gibberish, not unintelligible speech, not some angelic language that's not known on earth. Known languages miraculously being able to be spoken by persons who never spoke those languages before. We believe that ceased. We believe the wisdom to interpret glossolalia has also ceased. We believe that the power to do 100% accurate predictions about the future passed off the scene with the apostles. We believe that the power to do various contrary-to-nature miracles passed off the scene. We believe that faith healers like Peter and Paul and the other apostles who could 100% heal by command and or by touching the sick person has passed off the scene. We believe that the power to raise the dead has passed off the scene when the apostles passed off the scene. I'll have a story about that for you in this message. So back in the first century, these sign gifts and others were only given to the apostles. Think of it. They were only given to 13 men. Remember, we had 12 apostles when Matthias was added in Acts chapter 1, and then another apostle, in Saul Paul, became an apostle on the road to Damascus. So these, these gifts, these sign gifts, were only given by God to 13 apostles. That's not many for a world. 
And back in the first century, these sign gifts were not given to any other believer by God's design. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 30, in the one of the key passages on spiritual gifts and the diversity of spiritual gifts and the diversity of body parts within the body and bride of Christ, we read this. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 30. And God has appointed these in the church. Now here comes a list. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Now here are the questions. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer to all those questions in these verses, based on the preceding context and the following context to these verses, is no. No. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have the gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. So this, I would present to you, this is one of the main reasons that so-called faith healers can't heal everyone who comes to them like the apostles could heal everyone who came to them in the book of Acts. So let me make this more personal. Maybe what I've been talking about for you so far has been somewhat theoretical. But let me make it more personal. I realize that you may be here today as part of our worship service, and you are sick. And you are trusting God to heal you. You are praying regularly for God to heal you. Or you may be here this morning, and you're not sick, but someone you love is sick. Someone you love is really sick. And you are trusting God to heal that loved one. You are trusting God by praying for healing for that loved one. I'm here to say that's absolutely right to do that. It is absolutely correct to do that. To trust the Lord for healing and to ask the Lord in prayer for healing is absolutely right. But as I said just a moment ago, it would be absolutely not right for you to ask me or anybody else to stand in the sun so that you could stand in our shadow and be healed like the apostles could. That would not be appropriate. So please hear me. God still heals, but not just like he healed when the church was baby and needing validation. God still heals, but not on command by some special class of Christian. God still heals and God still does miracles, but not on the command by certain select, especially gifted Christians. Now you say, Pastor Rob, why do you go into all this detail? I mean, you've spent a lot of minutes in this sermon talking about sign gifts and how they've ceased and apostles have gone off the scene and so forth and so on. Why, why did you go into all that detail? Was it really necessary? Yes, it was. 
Do you know why it's necessary? One of the reasons? One of the reasons why it's necessary, and listen carefully, if you expect that physical healings and sign and wonder miracles will always be done if everyone has enough faith, then you can become very disappointed. And you can become, you could arrive at wrong conclusions. Wrong conclusions about God and wrong conclusions about God's interfacing with you. For instance, some unhealed Christians have come to doubt their salvation. Some unhealed Christians have come to question God's love for them. Some unhealed Christians have concluded in error that God is punishing them because they're, not, they're sick and they're not being healed. And some unbelievers outside the church, outside the faith, seeing no healing, have mocked God or they've gotten so angry with God that they've gone to their graves rejecting Christ and have slipped into a Christless eternity. Let me close with a true story. It's a true story. To set it up, we know from Scripture that the apostles, the eyewitnesses of Christ's resurrection, could raise the dead. We know that from Scripture. Peter and Paul raised Dorcas from the dead in Acts 9. Paul raised Eutychus from the dead in Acts 20. Apostles, according to the scriptural record, could raise the dead. There was a godly woman who walked with Christ in a very sincere manner who came down with cancer, terminal cancer. Her husband was not a believer in Christ and was not interested in becoming a believer in Christ. The godly wife died. And the pastor of her charismatic church told all the believers gathered on the Sunday before her interment on the Wednesday that they should come to the funeral and the grave dressed in party clothes, bright floral party clothes, because he was going to raise Annika from the dead. Some in the church did that. They came to the funeral home dressed as if it was a party. They went to the grave wearing those clothes, just almost giddy with anticipation that Annika was going to be raised from the dead. My father was the funeral director of that funeral. And the preacher at the grave said, now God is going to raise Annika from the dead. And the preacher cried out to God to raise Annika from the dead. And God didn't choose to do that. The preacher called out again in prayer for God to raise Annika from the dead, and God didn't choose to do that. Meanwhile, her husband, already in total grief, was devastated. He was angry with God before his wife ever died. But can you imagine how angry with God he was at that graveside when the preacher said God was going to raise his wife from the dead and then didn't do so? 
I said to my father, I wasn't there, Dad, what did the preacher do after God didn't raise her from the dead? He said, well, I guess not today. Flippant. Hurtful. Damaging. As the years unfolded, we have no sense that her husband trusted Christ as salvation. He went from being angry with God that his wife got cancer to being furious with God because God didn't raise her from the dead on the spot on command of a preacher. That's why this is serious. That's why this is worth understanding. So let's not be expecting or demanding signs and wonders when God says that we're way past the introduction of the book about salvation. We're way past chapters 1 and 2 in the book about salvation. Let's not be expecting and demanding signs and wonders. Because if we do, if we demand and expect that God will do signs and wonders wonders, and never fail to do that, if we just have enough faith, then believing persons can doubt or assume the worst that they've been abandoned by God. I don't want that for any of you. And if we go on expecting and demanding signs and wonders, then the unbelieving persons we have influence with can wind up going to hell like Annika's husband, Hans. Serious. So we end up where we started. Does God still heal? Yes, he does. Does God heal after the pattern of the book of Acts? No, he doesn't. And now we know why. Now we know why. Please pray with me. Lord, thanks for writing the book, the introduction and all the other chapters. Thank you for letting us live on page 2022. We're happy, Lord, that we get to pray directly to you to ask for healing. We don't have to go through an apostle. And we're grateful that we don't have to find 13 apostles somewhere on earth anymore. Lord, thank you that you still heal without using apostles. Lord, we can attest to the fact that having your grace and strength and power when we remain sick is far better than being well and not having your grace and strength and power. We pray healing for all of our sick, healing that is in keeping with your will for each person. And last, Lord, we pray for any doubting, negative, or discouraged believers who remain unhealed after praying for healing. Encourage these with a special sense of your love and wisdom and care. Fortify these with many glimpses of your power being made perfect in their weaknesses. And we pray these things, and God's church said, Amen.